morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm I'm great. It's uh, it's a beautiful uh, cloudy day here in San Diego. What what about you? All right, uh, same. A little overcast over here, over in the uh, book Brooklyn. Um, yeah, but I have my coffee and I'm I'm kind of ready to go, man. This is uh, I'm uh, I hear I'm getting a hint, so um, I, I'm excited for this next guest of yours. And I should give it to you now, but I'm going to wait. Okay. Um, just because I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to craft the experience for you. You know, I don't want you to know too much or anything until the Got last it. minute. Got it. You know, very born yep. or or spy-esque um, yeah yeah so, so i've got the the cell phone in the little foil <laughs> thing and yeah if I, you have your foil I, hat if you foil have your hat foil hat on so yeah yeah that's what we're gonna do man <laughs> got my security clearance or whatever because you know y'all know kwaku by now Incognito, oh. so. <laughs> all right i love it yep. okay you want you want to just get into this let's get in bro okay let's do it <laughs> peace Um, I know that I know that we have a really tight hour for this, so we are going to jump right in. Um, so I'm going to start off by saying you, with the cardigan and the guitars in the background, who are you? I'm Otto, and who are you? My name is Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda, the... Dope. Shit. Nice. <laughs> okay. And um, we are super fortunate to have um, a really great guest on today with, and I told you, Otto, I'd give you a hint. There's a strong political theme to today's conversation. You didn't give me that hint. No, but, I hey, gave it to I you right now. I said, I, said, I said I'd give you a hint. I just gave you the hint oh, right no, now. Oh, as in uh, currently you're giving me a hint. Okay. I'm giving you the hint. Okay. This is the hint. Got it. So um, I'd like to introduce you to my really amazing dynamic friend, Lisa Solomon, or, or do you prefer Lisa K. Solomon? Lisa K. Solomon. Lisa K. Solomon. Lisa K. Um, Solomon. What's up? Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Who, right. Where would I rather be right, th right now than with the two of you? This is so great. Okay. I mean, besides the existential crisis that we're all feeling, but like, <laughs> it's good that we can do this stuff, right? Well, that's true. Wait, which one of those crises? But in all fairness, I mean, that is actually a legit resilient strategy that I have, which is to spend time with people that I care about. So that is really um, good. I wasn't even just being nice. Oh, that was actually for reals. Awesome. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Awesome. So Lisa, this is obviously your first time on the uh, on the program here. And so we like to kick things off by playing a quick little game where Otto has to guess what it is you do oh gosh. good luck Otto. you better be good at this yeah no, well, yeah well Otto cheats actually every time we play it I, <laughs> you know, how he's doing it but Baku's he, jealous about the you know my success rate here so sorry about that no pressure but my father still doesn't know what I do but go for it I'm ready okay. <laughs> this will be fun <laughs> well I, I was given a hint about politics and um um, your presence and your voice, and I, I feel like there's a, sh well, we always bring people on with sharp minds, but so there's a sharp mind. I feel like an analytical mind. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm obviously going to go with politics and I'm going to say like political consultant. That is a good guess. 
That is, that is good. I think that's about as close as you can get to what I do if you're going to frame it politically. Uh-huh. I'm also trying to throw him off with the politic thing. So yeah, that yeah. I don't know if you noticed that because he cheats. So I need to just send him in places that are close, right? But not too close. But I feel like I'm close. Um, and so he gets three guesses. This okay, is guess yes. number two. All right. So if it's not political consultant, um, I'm, I'm okay. Maybe like you work with not just po politics, but data. You consult perhaps on re relational data. Um, be it politics or be it businesses or be it in education, but you are a person who, um, not in an insulting way, but like Cambridge Analytica stuff, you know, that, that kind of stuff, you're a person who sort of, um, uh, what is it, drills down into, let's say, people relational data to, to discern uh, behaviors. Uh, be it voting or or how to buy or who buys the Red Sox over the Blue Sox. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I love these guesses, by the way. <laughs> They're so good. What, Kawakwa, how would you rate that guess? I mean, that is so close. Oh, gosh. That is so, so close. So I agree with you. I think it's close. I think it's close. I think there's like, I would make one small tweak and then I think you're there. But I yeah. agree with you. It's Oh, okay. don't give him too much because I want to remind you, he cheats. I and cheat. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Political consultant with, uh, oh, not political, but a, a, a data analyst consultant. Boy, uh, mm. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my, um, I know I'm talking to Kwaku, I know the space he works in, so I'm just going to have to drop in education as well, so <laughs> I can throw that in. Um, so perhaps on, okay, politics, yes. Oh, like, not Department of Education stuff, but do you work with the Department of Education in, let's say, um, teaching or educational methodologies using data that can sort of dip into the politics, but because everything's politics, right? Oh, she's got a, a vote that's a shirt that says vote on. I just saw that. Um, See, this is how he cheats. Um, <laughs> that's not cheating. That's yeah, using that's just, available to you. Exactly. That's not cheating. There you go. So I don't, I don't know what I'm describing though, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, <sighs> Data, data analytics in the educational space. See, and so Lisa, before you say anything, you know me. I'm drawing out the Venn diagram. I see you over here. Venn diagram. See data. See. And before she says anything, I have a love and hate relationship with this game with this person. <laughs> I love Otto as a person, but I hate, no, not you, Lisa, no, not you, because obviously this is your first time playing the game, but with Otto, I love him as a person, but I hate that he shouldn't even be close. Mm. Like I literally took him, I gave him breadcrumbs that were specific mm. to a thing that we're going to discuss as part of today, mm -hmm. but he shouldn't even be close. And mm. it frustrates me that he is, and that's why I think he cheats. 
See, Lisa, this is when, you know, you're, sometimes your friends are just a little jealous and you have to have that little talk with them. And you're like, hey, bro, um, you know, maybe there's something you need to look at yourself. Yeah, there's room for all of us. There's room for all of us. There you us. go. There you go. Now he's talking down. <laughs> Mentality, Kowalko. Come on. <laughs> All right, Lisa. Um, I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let you share your your results. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you're amazingly. So part of it is how you frame uh, how you frame these words. Mm -hmm. um, am I a political cons consultant? Not in the traditional way where you think politics right now. Like I don't consult with any party. Although my first job, actually, ironically, very first job, which we could talk about, which. Fascinating. I was a political consultant. I was 21 years old, but that's not my, I am not 21 anymore. And Got that it. is not my job. Yes. But, but you, if you reframe a political consultant or the political part to mean you have a point of view that you're trying to bring to the world, then yeah, I'm kind of a political consultant. Mm. I have a preferred future that I want to bring to life. Yes. And that's for all of us to feel like we are capable of thriving in a world that's filled with increasing ambiguity and uncertainty. So, so I have a preferred future that these leadership skills that allow us to navigate and make choices amid the uncertainty are teachable and learnable. Mm -hmm. It gets back to the third part. So mm -hmm. education. I am absolutely in education. Mm -hmm. I am an accidental educator. Uh, 10 years ago, I started teaching at a really cool program in the Bay Area in San Francisco where I live. Mm -hmm. I'm calling you from Philadelphia, my hometown, but um, I started teaching at an MBA in design strategy. So imagine an MBA program that's housed in a 110-year-old arts and crafts school in the heart of San Francisco. Wow. That, that was like my, my, my switch from being a consultant to educator. So, so you got that right. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was the one that was really interesting. I was really trying to listen, this notion of human relational data consultant or advisor. Mm -hmm. And I think the only word that I would change in there, and then you have it like spot on, is the data part. Uh -huh. I specialize in the data of humans, not uh -huh. in the bits. So I leave that to all my Palantir, crazy data scientist friends that I, you know, that are my neighbors, right. that are, you know, quasi destroying our world. But yeah. um, <laughs> it's more that like, I'm really interested in the discipline of design as one that is foundationally human, mm -hmm. that allows us to connect to each other as humans and bring out our best selves as humans. Oh. So I love that you got this human relational part. Um, it was just that data piece that um, I think was the only one that would I would have tweaked a little. Wow. Um, and let me tell you how this is so up my alley in interest, um, possibly as a lay person. Um, because lately, um, and we'll get into the whole like Radio Zamunda lay layout, but I, I just mm -hmm. have to say this because I know, know I'll lose it 20 minutes later when we're in, in deep in discussion. But I have, especially in my, my later years, I have been asking myself on a level, why, does, why do things look the way they do? Why are things designed the way they are? I mean, down to why does that street live over there instead of there? Like, why, why is this system like this, right? And I, um, I, I wonder, here, here is, I'll, I'll keep it as simple as possible. I wonder why there are so many goods and services and, and, and interactions that don't seem to help us humans as a society. And I'll take like one little thing, like 
why are this is going to sound weird why are doorbells designed in like big buildings like mine right to sound awful right like what's what's the problem with making it sound like a pleasing sound right why is why are there such things that um sort of destroy your peace of mind and they're supposed to help you this is giving you information there's somebody at the door but it's like right instead of like a pleasing sound and it's like with urban design and everything so seems so sort of um anti what we as human beings would be able to get the right information from but also sort of enjoy the experience and i think that just applies to everything everything right and i'm like isn't there a person who like deals with that kind of stuff like why is it like this <laughs> yeah, we were meant to meet. I mean, that's basically those questions have driven my whole career. Mm. I mean, start honestly with like goods and services and retail experiences mm -hmm. and lots of stories to share about that. Uh, and really, even before that, you know, as a young kid, uh, my grandfather was in the restaurant business. And so, you know, restaurants, I think, are a microcosm for those questions of why, right? Like, mm -hmm. why is it designed? Why is the menu? Why isn't it anyway? Mm -hmm. So, um, so I've always been fascinated with those questions. And then as my career uh, went on, I became more and more fascinated with applying those questions towards leadership, mm -hmm. towards systems, towards organizations. And more recently, which is why I think Kwok was saying that the political consultant or it started with politics is right on. This last year, I've been asking those very questions to the voting process. Mm -hmm. And specifically, why do young voters get labeled apathetic? Like, is that really true? Like, why do we think that's true? And so what Kuwaku helped me do, gosh, it's almost a year ago, Kuwaku. Yeah. Uh, we piloted at the Stanford D School where I teach uh, and do a lot of my work, um, a class called, at the time, it was called Designing the President. And um, it's since morphed to be called Vote by Design, but essentially it's geared towards addressing some of the systemic questions that have gotten out of control and away from what humans actually need in order to feel informed and confident in becoming voters. So we could talk more about that, you know, as we need, given this like a week before the election, but yeah. that has been the latest application of my interest in a lot of your questions that you just asked. Mm. And I've written a couple books, so that's another thing that I do, I write. And the first book I was gonna write, like very apropos to those questions that you just raised, Kwaku, I don't even think you know this. The first book I was gonna write is called, was called, We Hate Our Customers. No, <laughs> I didn't know that. Because if you, if you really look at how most companies treat the people that keep them in business, mm -hmm. as if they hate them. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and, and exactly like, why would a doorbell make you want to crawl out of your skin? Isn't that supposed to be like a welcome signal? Yeah. Um, and so like, I am that crazy person where at the supermarket, when they first started making us do the chip reader and whatever, mm -hmm. and, and it would like the signal back to you, like, hey, thanks so much for spending money in our store. Don't forget to take your card was like, meh, meh, yeah. meh. And I'm like, does that mean thank you and for your business? Like yeah. I, I, all of those details, mm -hmm. um, they don't cost any more money. Mm -hmm. They just, they just come with intention. Like, do you, do you care? Do you want your customer to come back? Do you yeah. want them to tell other people they had a great experience or yeah. do they want them to do their lives? So anyway, so this shirt, let me just, this is not my shirt, but it's yeah. what some of the people that I've met along the way, oh. vote with love. 
because, you know, they, and it's a group of artists that wanted to take a different approach to voting through the lens of empathy and having conversations with members of your family to understand their past experience. And they're a wonderful group out of Oakland. Um, and so this last journey that I've been on have allowed me to connect with all these incredible people that are asking different questions about this critical process that shapes our future called voting. I'm going to jump in so quickly. Yes, please. So, um, First of all, I'm really, I'm so excited that this came together. We, I, we tried to do it last week. We had to shift it. Oh, dude, um, so up my alley. I got so many questions. Sorry, go, 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 go. No, so that's all I'm going to say. Like, Otto and I, we, uh, we'll go into our friendship and, and how we sort of became friends and sort of doing this a little later on. Mm. But primarily, I, I, you know, I, I, can, I think I can speak for him because he always does this to me. Whenever I ask someone to join us, because as I told you, Otto knows nothing about you. Literally, my goal is I, I have the, I have a good sense of the things that Otto is interested in, or things that he's curious about, or things that will blow his mind, and I, that, that's what we try to do. We try to bring people on, as we say, who are doing dope shit, but really that will blow the mind of the other person. Yeah, and as you can see, <laughs> that, that just brings me joy when I get when I get that look on his face. Yeah, I, I, I wish I finished my coffee early because I, I I'm. Or maybe not. Maybe that's a. Maybe I should ease off on the coffee because I'll get too excited. Um, yeah, yeah. So maybe we should do like quickly the Radio Zamunda thing, so we can just set do it right. up quickly because. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you know, for 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 Lisa, our guest, and uh, also for people who might be just joining us and not sure what's going on, uh, Kwaku and I's relationship um, is basically based on he or I turning the other person on to something cool or dope that the other person doesn't know, right? And so one day somebody told us, hey, why don't you like do a podcast about music and stuff? Because we're always like, dude, did you hear this new album? Yo, did you see that new movie? Yo, right? And we're always talking about it. And then Kwaku was like, instead of like talking about things, let's bring people on. And so we've been spending the last two or three, four or five maybe years. Five. Now. I think it's five. Yeah, five years, <laughs> something like that bringing dope people on and the one person doesn't know who, uh, who this person is and we just get an idea of what brought Lisa to us to this moment going all the way back to when she came out the womb you know what I mean because that's what is fascinating to me um, and the thing that's really exciting me um, and, and, and so I sort of like blurted all over the mic just now was I, what it sounds like you're saying is you're what you're doing now and what makes it exciting is you're bringing the artists back into the 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 principal part of the design of anything that it is right because i always opine that art is art is the human interaction right down to when speaking of coming out of the womb have you ever met a child that doesn't want to hear a story or tell a story or hear a song right it's it's the core of the human identity it's like like storytelling is what makes us human and the artist is who how we know what civilization is. How do we know what the Nubians were way back then? Well, we were pulling up part shards or we were, we were seeing the strands of music that they made or we were, we, were, we were looking at the sculptures that they built, right? That's how we know what culture is. And so I think now in our hyper-capitalist world, we take art out and we separate it as this other industry that, oh, is kind of interesting if you become wildly 
you know, a wildly famous rock star or something like that. But otherwise, it's just something that you kind of do on the side at school. And please don't be an artist. Please go and, you know, be an engineer or finance person because art people don't make money. And it's just it's like this random thing. But like actually bringing art in as the focus of the design and empathy and coming and then and then designing things on that principle. You got me. You got me. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. I mean, it, it's you were, so many things popped as you just said that. One is um, when we were writing our first book, our, our, um, my co-author and our, our, our editor said, um, communication is the response you get. Mm. Mm. I mean, that's, you know, so like, you know, you, you could sort of, in some ways, the way I hear you say, you could replace art, right? Art is the response you get. And mm -hmm. so what kind of response are you looking for? Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that I think is so true, and um, Otto really does feel like, Kwaku, thank you, we were meant to meet, because so much of my work is actually um, being a translator of sorts mm -hmm. to help those that don't feel artistic mm -hmm. better understand that that is the... Um, strategic secret sauce that they actually have to lean into. Right. Um, and and the fact that they have been brainwashed to think that because they can't paint, draw, make music, you know, create a horse, uh, they're not creative. And that's just hogwash. Mm -hmm. Because as you said, you talk to any small child and you know we all have imagination. We all have curiosity. We all crave stories and connect you know, at the human level. And it's only through sort of systemic institutionalized education that we get that beat out of us. And we get institutionalized to believe that if we're good at things that are quantifiable like math and science, that that's the way to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I just think, I mean, that has really put us down a path that is incredibly dangerous. And so those of us in Kowaka has spent a lot of time, you know, with my colleagues at the D school. And, and I think that's where I found solace in the, in the field of design. It brings back the human spirit because when done well, design is for other humans. Mm -hmm. And the date cannot be automated. I mean, believe me, they're quickly trying to figure it out with generative design and all this stuff, but like that judgment, mm -hmm. that insight, that gut feeling, um, that's still human. That's still, you know, not something that an algorithm can do. Yeah. And uh, so we have to hold on to that. And okay, so before I get overexcited, um, too late. We go back <laughs> to the beginning, right? Because I, I, we, and we only, we don't have that much time. We have a time crunch, I, I understand. Um, so let's take it back to the beginning uh, because I love to sort of chain together the constellation of events that got you to the place that you are now. I find it fascinating um, just to know how somebody came to this point and I don't take that for granted. Um, and so I heard you said, you, you are you from Philly? Was that? I'm from Philly and that's where I am right now, which is why I couldn't talk to you last week because I was fly I was taking the leap. Ooh. It was like, I, Ooh. I, I had oh. that enough. I flew. Person. So glad that I did. Yeah. Um, and because it's like my soul food here. Like yeah. I just, you know, so I've been in the Bay Area 20 years, but I'm from here and it doesn't take long. Look, we've been talking for less than a half hour to know where my roots are. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is to know. And, uh, and I'm coming back like half my suitcase is filled with Philly gear so we can all wear it on the <laughs> night of the election. Um, so uh, everyone I know, it's like half of it is Tasty Cakes and half of it is Philly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm from here and I, and I uh, but my parents are New Yorkers, Otto, mm. and I know you're, I think, dialing in from 
Brooklyn right now. Brooklyn. Yep. And um and and yeah, and I just I guess I really hit the jackpot. And I have two just phenomenal parents who I I completely love and adore. They're my best friends. And my mom is just an extraordinary woman, just mm -hmm. unbelievable uh, in so many ways. I'm really a pioneer before her time and um, went back when I was in high school. Let me know if we're going too deep on this. No, no, deep as much or as little. Uh, went, went back when I was in high school to get a PhD in counseling and psychology um, because she was fascinated in the human condition. I mean, she was fascinated. She actually uh, wrote and taught a course at Penn called the Psychology of Personal Growth. Mm -hmm. And uh, then like went on to apply that to organizational um, dynamics. And so I basically grew up and my mom was a psychologist where she experimented on me when I was a teenager. You know, like, you know, and, you know all my friends were reading these teenage novels and my mom's like, let's talk about how you're feeling. You know, <laughs> you know, let's, let's talk about system dynamics and what's it like. Like, she's mm, really what? like cool pair of jeans, mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, but really, you know, I think without, you know, fully understanding until I was much older, allowed me to see the world through relationships and through systems. Mm -hmm. You know, what's a reinforcing system? What is a system that's actually not geared for success? And, and also allowed me, you know, by having that visibility that things were connected, then you could start to question the assumptions behind them. Like, does that always have to be that? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so anyway, so I, I just feel so, so lucky. And to this day, she's my favorite learning partner. And we're always like, did you see this? Did you read this? Did you? Yeah. And, uh, and so I really, the first book I wrote was on designing strategic conversations because she really taught me that um, the conversation is the relationship. I mean, you know, how you engage with someone, how you learn with them, how you partner with them. I mean, that reflects so much more about your values and your worldview. And, um, and so, you know, I really sort of dedicated that, that book to her, you know, mm -hmm. because she always taught me that even in difficult times, you know, what's worse than having a, a hard conversation is not having a conversation because right. there's the absence of care and the absence of love and the abs and the absence of agency. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, as I found my way to this thing we now call design and, you know, I could tell you some interesting inflection moments along the way, um, you know, what I really sort of like took from her and took from my upbringing was that you have choice in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's such a powerful concept. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll just share this quick story that I'm reminded of because one of the reasons why I came home is I'm helping them move. So like I'm okay. in a very nostalgic yeah. mode, like I'm going through old yearbooks oh. and old pictures and my best friend from kindergarten is coming over later today. And oh, so I'm just in that mode. And, um, and you know, and so we're going through stuff and, and she had a lot of life mottos. And one of them was, um, don't stay in unnecessary pain. Don't stay in unnecessary pain. You know, if there mm -hmm. is a way to get yourself out of that pain, why wouldn't you at least try it? Mm -hmm. And for me, that manifested in lots of ways in my life, including I went to a public high school out here. I was a very shy kid. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even picture that. <laughs> I couldn't even like make a phone call. I mean, I was so shy. Yeah. And I uh, went to like a big, big high school and I just felt lost. And my brother went to a smaller school. It was a Quaker school, even though we're not Quakers. And a week into my sophomore year, my mom said to me, you know, you just look like you're not happy. You're not thriving. Like, why don't you start going to this other school? I think there's a spot for you. We know them there. They know us. Um, why don't we, why don't, why don't you do it? Why don't you do that? I mean, crazy pants, right? So mm -hmm. a week into my sophomore year, my mom's like, you know, this environment is not working for you this one may work for you. I was like, well, okay, sure. Why not? And 
you know, again, I was what, 14, 15 at the, yeah. I could have never imagined what a life changing moment that was for me. And I did. And I switched a week into my sophomore year. My mm-hmm. buddy called me up and was like, Hey, have your homework. I was like, I don't need it. I'm switching. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the end of the year, I was president of the class and uh, you know, like, you know, life changer. Yeah. And I'll, I'll round out that story that about five years ago, right after my first book was published, I went back and I was the reunion speaker at my beloved high school. And my favorite teacher welcomed me in to his class before I gave the speech. And it was remarkable to watch Gary Nikolai, like the greatest teacher of all time, through the eyes now of not only an educator that I am, but also a parent, mm-hmm. watch him greet every single student by their first name. Mm-hmm. How are you? Nice to see you. How's your day? How'd that Tesco yesterday? I know you got a big game today. Like, I see you. You belong here. I want to know you. I value you. Just permeating yeah. with that same energy that I remember he gave me, you know, whatever, 25 years ago yeah. prior. Um, and so that allowed me to really understand how important the conditions of safety are, yeah. you know, for, for allowing who you are to come through. So, um, <laughs> A long story to really, I think, exemplify the power of agency and choice when you have it. And first, you have to see that you have it. Right. Like, and we're like we're both chomping at the bit here. Go ahead. Yeah. Ask you. Yeah. I've, well, I've well, right okay, but because I think this is. <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Oh God, oh God. I'm like. I'm trying to raise my hand. Oh God, I feel like okay, we're in I'm class. After this, and I just want. I want her to tell me this. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> it, it sounds like it's a fat. You know, we always talk about on radios and Linda these. Um, Um, these origin stories and that sort of inflection point where you get that eureka moment where you don't even know in the moment that it's the eureka moment but then like hindsight you know gives you that constellation of events you're like oh mom sent me to that quaker school and then that's what turned me around um and, and my first question is, because it seems to apply to what directly what you're saying, it sounds like you went to like a, I guess what we would call like a standard high school, right? I, whatever that sort of uh, motif is. Um, and I have friends with children who have sent them to Quaker schools. And the Quaker schools, the design around that Quaker school is that like seeing and inclusiveness almost, it's I'm not, I'm not, this is not trivializing it almost like not, this is the wrong word. I'm going to use the wrong word, but I don't mean it that way. There's almost like a cultish thing about it. Not, that's a really bad word. I, I, let me, let me retract that. There's a, there's a, tr- because I don't think a cult is like a true thing. Um, there's a, there's an inclusiveness. There is an, an um, what did you just say? There is a, um, a motivation and a directive to be inclusive and and um, um, sort of invite people into the room before you teach them their ABCs and one two threes, right? There's a community. That's what I'm looking for. They they absolutely create a community, and that's their first objective before they teach you how to spell. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, communal was the word I was thinking about. Ah, exactly mm-hmm. that. They value connection between and among one another. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I came in 10th grade, so I missed the Quakerism mandatory religion class that you had to take in ninth grade. So uh, I still don't know the tenets behind it, but I okay. kind of like seeped through mm-hmm. um, just some of the practices that they had there. Mm-hmm. And I, I do know that like one of the sort of tenets, for example, of the Quaker, I don't even know, is a religion or belief. Like there is no priest, yeah. there is no high priest. 
the community takes care of itself. Mm. And one of the things that we had every week, which was the worst named ever, called Meeting for Worship. No worship. There was no, unless, unless you read and just say like, so what do we do? It was 45 minutes where we all came together as a community, mm -hmm. no agenda. And we were just in community. And if you felt moved to get up and say something, then you got up and said something. Yeah. And if you, like there'd be times where there'd be 45 minutes of silence. Yeah. Or someone would say a poem or something. Well, we weren't there to judge. We weren't there, but it was like, it, it, and so like to your point, I'm so glad Otto that you used the word design because it is designed mm -hmm. to one another. It mm -hmm. is it's not designed for performance, mm -hmm. efficiency. There's nothing efficient about having 45 minutes every week with no agenda. Right. That's not an efficient play. Right. And so I just, I love that. And and you're right. Like I could have never known at the time, believe me, half of us were eye rolling and we're like, Ooh, we get to sleep now. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I think though, you know, now like fast forward and, and again, particularly where I live in Silicon Valley, where it's like tech, 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 you know, where it's, you know, ready, fire, aim, oops, does that yeah. app, you know, ruin your brain? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and so I just so value having uh, experienced that and knowing what the practice of doing that can do over time. Right. So, so yeah, there's so many, it's, I'm just, and like, Think of how brave my mom was. Yeah. To be like, like, like most parents would be like, tough it out. It's all right. It'll get better. Yeah. Just stay up day. You can do it. And she was like, no, no, you don't have to stay there. Yeah. And so it was just, I don't know, so many life lessons, so many life lessons in that. Um, and, and you said, don't, I love that don't stay in unnecessary pain, right? Because that's also sort of that. Uh, that zeitgeist that we're all sort of instilled with, right? Like that whole tough it out thing. I think we're finally figuring it out that, especially for us men, um, that mm. that's not the way to go. Um, that vulnerability and being open and being inviting is actually the place we should go and not this sort of, we're doing this, I'm doing, I'm pulling myself up by the bootstraps and I'm doing all this by myself. It, I think it, it, it starts to instill a selfishness, especially in us men um, at an early age, because we make ourselves the hero of every novel in our mm -hmm. head, rather than understanding that, and this is, you know, Kwaku's heard me go off on this a million times. It's like, you, everything that you're doing now, Mr. Tech Guy, you were taught somebody before you could figure out that code or app somebody taught you how to code somebody had taught you how to read somebody taught you how to wipe your ass so you're not doing this by yourself you're absolutely not and if you understand that there's a there was a collaborative effort from day one that you just fell into that got you to this level i think that people would understand better why this why everything seems to be falling apart and why especially now it is right and so i just i just wanted to make that comment that's um we're all having this realization hopefully you know i know kwaku I, wants to say something so i do have a question but i want lisa to respond because oh, it's okay. like i talked to both of you but this is like you guys getting got it i could talk to lisa for a thousand years now boy um, what so <laughs> i mean I, I couldn't agree more and i think you know maybe that is you know a, a a sort of lasting insight that we can take from this moment mm -hmm. that the warrior mentality is actually it's not only is it not helpful it's actually not resilient mm -hmm. it's not a resilient way to go forward mm -hmm. 
we need others and we need to be able to ask for help in different ways. And we've got a long way to go mm -hmm. you know, to do that. Why, to your point earlier, it's like been systemically ingrained mm -hmm. into that you are, in particular, like different cultures are different in that way. And I think honestly, it's one of the reasons why I love coming back here. My friends know yeah. that, uh, there's this, some people go to like, kids go to summer camp, you know, for, for a couple months every year. And there's this sort of expression like 10 for two, like you live 10 months in order to get those two months away in summer camp. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, I'm like 11, one, like typically I spent about <laughs> one month here in the East coast in the summer and I couldn't do it. Yeah. I start, I'm undone. And my friends are like, you, have to, you know, my family was like, you got to get on a plane. Yeah. And I the reasons why it's so nourishing for me to be back here not just to see my family who i'm so blessed is still healthy and, and doing well it's that this place reminds me that there are values other than advancing as an individual yeah and i think that the culture in silicon valley is such it's like an exponential warrior one mm. who got the venture funding who got the this who got like here nobody gives two shits what i do mm -hmm. who i know mm -hmm. what kind of following i have on twitter mm -hmm. like they, am i an influencer or not nobody cares yeah. yeah they just care about how i am as a human yeah and you know i joke i, I said earlier my parents came from uh, new york to live here but, but i still had a dozen aunties mm -hmm. that took care of me. you know like their friends became their family mm -hmm. yeah. and so just the other day I um, went out to spend time with, with two of my aunties, you know, like with my mom, yeah. you know, just to like walk, taking a walk. Yeah. Um, so nourishing, so, yeah. so nourishing. So, um, so anyway, so I, I, I'm hoping that this moment um, um, really gets us to fundamentally question some of those perspectives that we've been carrying around for so long that are not serving us well. Like, yeah. You know, you're, you know, you're, you're being vulnerable is a sign of weakness. Nope. No. Yeah. Mm. It's actually the opposite. You're right. There is, you, okay. Go for it. Go for I was going to say, there's so much, there's so much here. Like I didn't, I, I've heard about Quaker ceremonies, but mm -hmm. I've never, I didn't know that you went through, went through that. I didn't know that was part of your upbringing. And so there are a couple of things that really popped out at, at me. The idea of efficiency versus empathy, which is something that I think both, I mean, like, I think even Otto kicked off the conversation talking about doorbells because it made me think like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but your cell phone alarm, uh, like my son, we, he, we've given him an old cell phone piece and he used, he likes the alarm and he likes to go through and find the most pleasing sound. Thinking <laughs> of like the right. role of yeah. kids. And me, he's like, dad, do you want to change your sound? I'm like, no, I, I like my sound. And mine's like the most annoying one. <laughs> And because I think of it as if I need if I need something to disrupt me from sleep, if I need something to disrupt me from what I'm doing, mm -hmm. because I have to go do something else, it needs to be mm -hmm. it needs to be that sound mm -hmm. because that's efficient. Mm -hmm. And so it was really interesting when you were talking about how that process of or that that ceremony, how it's designed with empathy in mind and so it's i hadn't thought of it of this bar this this conflict between empathy and efficiency and so the i guess my question is how has this process of chasing empathy because it seems like the way you were describing your high school teacher and the sort of uh, culture that he created within his class um the relationship that you have with your family specifically your mom and the work that she's done how has that affected the lens of what you do professionally? And if you could, I guess, maybe tie it into vote by design and what you're doing with that, because Otto hasn't really gotten the full scope of that yet. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, 
great questions, Blanco. I mean, I feel, like I said earlier, particularly once I became an educator, uh, again, an accidental educator, and um, I really shifted from feeling like people were working with me to get answers or get insight answers to people were working with me to learn how to build their own capacity. I was like, oh, that's a thing? That's a thing! You know, like, <laughs> and, and, and it was like my greatest joy was to create um, not only the syllabus, but like the syllabus as the scaffold of the experience that I wanted to design for these students. Mm. Like I had very strong uh, point of view in my head that my students were not going to be judged if they got an A or not, but if they came out of my class feeling more capable of handling yes. the uncertainty around them mm -hmm. and see themselves as capable of leaning in. Right. So part of that was giving form and structure to some of these ideas that are really quite qualitative to start with, but like really kind of fuzzy, like, like, like really hard to like, what does that be? Like, that's a fuzzy thing. Mm -hmm. So how do we give form to it in order to help people grow it for themselves? So very much, I mean, now we would sort of talk about it through Carol Dweck's work and the growth mentality, but like, I love the idea of growing innovators growing leaders. I love that idea. I fundamentally believe that you can't expect people to be masters at things they've never had a chance to practice. Wow. Mm. That's just a system that's set up for failure. Say that and again. That, Say that last phrase again. You can't. That you, we can't expect people to be masters at things they've never had a chance to practice. Mm. Yeah. So if you think about where leaders are right now, and the kinds of decisions that they're having to make in the wake of such extraordinary uncertainty and how paralyzed and flat-footed and overwhelmed and outmatched they are. Mm -hmm. It's not because they haven't practiced this level of uncertainty. And a lot of my writing has been around making the case that we need to switch our education models to be, for example, moving away from mastering business administration. Mm -hmm. It's still the most uh, popular master's degree in MBA to mastering business ambiguity. You know, like oh. that's a real MBA, yeah. right? That's it. Because, you know, again, what are we administering? Robots are administered. You know, right. we have to get with ambiguity, which is, you know, now it's probably making sense why I like skip through the whole school every yep. time there because these are my people. We are we are trying to give form to the idea that learning how to practice ambi or, or lean into ambiguity or understand ambiguity or not be afraid of ambiguity is a teachable and learnable thing. Mm -hmm. And me being able to even say that alone is a very optimistic point of view. It's a, but it's not, um, it's not a Pollyanna one. It requires work, it requires intention. So um, so anyway, so so that infuses everything that I do. So, you know, starting with that, like that notion of, you know, empathy, like saying this thing this is the thing that matters. And so part of my job, for example, working with those students earlier, early was to first get them to understand and value that it matters and then to help them communicate it with the rest of the world. I mean, because when you go to a novel program like the Design MBA program and you, in some ways you've already self-selected that like <laughs> bought it. You know, and, and if you would kind of read the early marketing material, it we would attract the kind of artists and creatives and, and business in some ways misfits that were like, I don't fit anywhere. And then right. they would read the website, they're like, but here, I fit in here, mm. you know, and all 
opening line was like, I never thought I'd be in the way, but this made sense. And, um, and then part of it was helping them learn how to communicate why they were valuable to organizations that weren't quite ready to buy them. So mm-hmm. to and, and, and so anyway, so there's lots to say about that. But I know we're short of time with Kwaku, you specifically asked about the vote by design. Um, so let me try to carry it through. What I love about the vote by design process, and essentially what we did was we reframed um, the questions around the election to um, not be about who do you like better? What party do you like? Who's your candidate? And instead said, what is the job to be done? And therefore, what leadership qualities would make someone best suited to do that job? And how do we foster conversation across difference to help people have better dialogue about what they care about and why? So that was the, the like fundamental, like could we get people into a more informed, reflective, deliberative mindset of thinking about what they were hiring for by casting their vote? Mm-hmm. So that was sort of a big part of it. And then the second part, so it's basically like, what can design offer to help take a student-centered approach to helping first-time voters feel informed and capable in the process? The second part was how might futures thinking, which is the whole other part of my background that we haven't really talked about, which is like scenario planning and thinking about the futures, how might futures thinking help these first-time voters test the assumptions that they have? And how might strategic conversations help them learn from others. And so that's like, that was the gist of what has now become a one hour, 45 minute, one hour digital program okay. that leaders and community leaders and even students can run on behalf of other students and first time voters to essentially address um, what we really observe to be a growing problem, which is like what showed up as apathy mm-hmm. was really confusion, right? Like we, we log lots of words at first-time voters around why they should vote. Like, you got to vote, you got to vote, you got to vote. You know, and as we get closer, particularly to a big milestone historic election like this one, the more, like, more and more famous people just say the same words. Right. You got to vote, mm. you got to vote, you got to vote. Don't say, yeah, you got to vote. But nobody says, and here's how to become a voter. Mm. <laughs> like, uh-huh. think about it. Here's how to make your own choices. So that's what what we did kind of like through the Trojan horse. We just created this like fun, interesting experience where there were no wrong answers. And and along the way, you got to practice the skills of being an informed and an engaged participant in democracy. And and what are the things what are the what are the things that have you found as to it's not apathy, but what are the responses that you are getting from these these people when they've yeah, gone through I, it? Um, it has been extraordinary, Otto, and it's why I kept going, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Vote by Design turned into, honestly, a personal passion project that mm-hmm. I've been spending 14 hours a day doing, even outside of the D school. Um, and, I'm, and I'm really proud at how we've scaled it, which is a whole other story about the kind of partnerships we've built. And, and really, I owe a huge debt of gratitude to Kwaku. I often tell him this, but he liked to flex. And yeah, Kwaku does because that all the time. One, he was the first <laughs> one to invite me into a classroom um, to do it with students. So we did it with my students at Stanford. And we ran a public workshop. And he's like, you know, I think, you know, we've got a lot of diverse political views. I think you should come down and maybe, you know, run it with our AP government class at the school that he was at. And I was like, yeah. Like, let's do it. 
And um, so to, to answer your question more directly, like the thing that I found, I mean, it was really like from quote unquote apathy to agency. Like the thing that I found was that the short intervention, the short, really like an hour or less, by just asking different questions, they saw themselves differently. So at the end of the um, workshop, we always ask the question, I used to think dot, 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 and now I think dot, dot, dot. And the kind of responses we would get are things like, I used to think I wasn't qualified to vote. And now I think I have a process of engaging. I used to think what my parents thought. Mm. And now I think for myself. I used to think that I would vote just based on party. And now I understand I have to look for the leadership qualities that are actually gonna create the kind of future that I wanna see come to life. I mean, you you read that and you're like, whoa, yeah. that's amazing. Which is what, full circle to the thing about conversations and 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 the piece you're describing about your mom. All right, I'll I mean to cut you off, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I'm, you know, the, the, the funny thing about us old people with the youth, <laughs> right? Which I find funny because, you know, it's, it's this thing that we do, you know, I'm, I'm, I know Kwaku's my age, you know, so I'm 48 year old man and we talk, oh, okay, great. And, and we talk about kids, like they're these foreign objects that we have no experience with and we don't understand how they work. But like, I was 14 too, right? I, I can remember what that was. And what you just said, just in, in um, it just made me think about who I was when I was like 18 and voting age. And all of the things you said are exactly how I felt, right? Um, but I'm a 48 year old man now and I'm just looking at kids going, vote, vote, you're supposed to vote, right? And, vote, step up. Right, and like, but I'm not giving, I'm not empowering them, right? I mean, when I was young, I thought I was supposed to be, this is how, I'm going to use the word ignorant, but ignorant as in I have I didn't have the knowledge, not, you know, we use ignorant as if it's stupid, but it's like you don't have the knowledge about a certain thing. Right. And I thought you had to be the party of the president that was in the office. So when I was growing up, it was Ronald Reagan, uh, at least for a while. So I thought oh, I was supposed to be a Republican. Right. No other reason why, but the president is Republican, so we're supposed to be Republicans. Like, that's how little I thought. And I remember my uncle laughing, going, you're a Republican? And I was like, yeah, Ronald Reagan's a Republican. And, <laughs> and he laughed, and, you know, I say this with love, but he didn't explain to me, right? He didn't tell me. And so as I started understanding the political process, which, like all the processes, and I think this is why you're a genius, because this is what you're trying to sort of unpack and, un and undo, is like a lot of the processes are also designed to be complicated and not sort of have a human interaction, right? So even just paying taxes and all these things, it's so complicated and so daunting that you feel like you you don't have the agency to figure this out and you feel dumb asking quote dumb questions but how are you supposed to know if nobody's ever set you up for that so gosh if i had an hour to sit with somebody in a, in a room where i felt safe um and everybody's asking questions hey speak or don't speak but like let's all sort of absorb this um information at the same time wow <laughs> and and you know I, I have to apologize for my thoughts of like all oh, these young people are just like too lazy and it's like no I was young too I wasn't lazy I was just 
didn't know. They just haven't served them. And it goes back to what I said earlier. We expect them to be masters of things they've never had a chance to practice. And I love it. I worked with um, a school outside of Atlanta and mm. a fat history teacher had this really aha moment going through it. He goes, you know, we spend 40 hours teaching 16 year olds how to drive a car before we give them a license. Man, yeah. We spend zero hours helping 18 year olds learn how to become voters before they make their cast their first ballot. Man, yeah, I did the same thing. I, I yeah. remember going said, to vote. And he said, and we think about it, like the machinery called democracy is way more complicated than an automobile. Yeah. Yep. Like, and we don't teach them how to drive by saying this is the carburetor and this is the, and that's how we think about voting. Like just, you know, memorize the constitution and, you know, like history and now that's important. Like, you know, but, but, but they're different things. They're very different things. It's like learning how to get, again, efficiency, like learning how to get an A on the U.S. history AP versus learning how to apply those values in your life. Mm. And, you know, Otto, like to your point, at every step of the way, maybe I had Gary Nikolai in my head, at every step in this process, it's very inviting. Like the opening question we say is, how well do you understand the job of the president? Mm-hmm. Like, no right or wrong, like really well, kind of well, like, you know, be be just fully transparent, like no right or wrong. Yeah. You know, you tend to vote for policy versus person. And so we're just trying to like get them involved. And then we open up and we say like, well, what's the job of the president? And, and most people say, I understand it pretty well. And then let's say I'm working with 50 people, 50 different responses come up. And I'm like, okay, just notice, we all said we understood it pretty well. No answer is the same. Right. That's fine. But just know we're all voting in a different way. Like you're voting for the moral leader of America. You're voting for the commander in chief. You're voting, you know, because you think that they're gonna, you know, oversee uh, laws. You're voting because they appoint people on the Supreme Court. Like what an interesting moment for us to just like, what is the, do we even understand the job to be done here? Um, and so, so it really is about promoting conversation. And I'll say one more, well, I'll say more things about it if you want, but like this summer, one really cool thing that we did was we brought together students from all over the country, from all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomic backgrounds, all different political beliefs. Like we had a, a kid from Appalachia, like West Virginia, part of a coal mining family. We had another kid from DC, kid from Boston, kid from San Diego, religious kid from Utah. Um, an indigenous woman from um, outside of Wisconsin, like in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and they ran the workshop together. And it was wow. um, amazing. Wow. What, 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 um, and so we know, I mean, it's nonpartisan. We know, like, you know, I think we did at the end of July, they're still talking to this day. So we, we recorded footage. We had these like little documentary shorts of their experience. And um, it was really transformational for them. And so wow. that was that was super cool to see, like this this um, incredible, incredible young leader, Jonathan from West Virginia, you know, and he said, "Gosh, I, I I think it would make a difference. Like if all if all people showed up and they really came to the polls, knowing what they wanted, right? It's like we we are much more alike than anybody realizes. We we know what we want if mm-hmm. they would just, and if we brought that clarity to the polls." it would make a difference. 
<laughs> now this is this is so interesting because Otto and I Otto is a whole separate other podcast that he does with another one of his friends, which is great, which is I believe called Unrelated. Yes. Where it's really where they do more of a deeper dive into politics. And Otto and I will have these conversations, we'll watch a debate or something will come out in the news and and we'll we'll talk and and it, we we often sit on similar side. We, we're often on the same side of the conversation, but our perspectives on it are different. Mm -hmm. You know, where mm -hmm. Otto will be like, "Well, you know, I mean, this is this is what it is. People just don't know, and they should know." Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "But I don't understand why they can't know if right. all these things are are presented to you." Right. And I mean, one of the biggest takeaways I think I'm going to pull from this conversation is the idea of not being prepared to vote. Mm -hmm. not being prepared to vote all these other things even if you're 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 training to become a doctor you're training to become a teacher and there are all these steps that we go through to be a chef mm -hmm. even to have kids right <laughs> but none of us ever really learn that or we or we gut our way through it or we do what i did for years which is just like well my parents say i should vote for this person so that's who i'm voting for mm -hmm. well and also notice Wapu, like um how hard it is to find time to do that when we're in a hurry to do everything else. I mean, I think the thing, like if I had to say the headline, the cliff notes of what we were after, it was like Daniel Kahneman's work around um, system two thinking of deliberative slow thinking, right? Mm. He wrote the like thinking fast, thinking slow book. Yeah. And so, well, you know, meets Doris Kearns Goodwin around what presidential leadership looks like by understanding past presidents. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, also to your point earlier, how do we know what good looks like? We don't mm -hmm. even know. Mm -hmm. I mean, most kids be like, hey, Carter, good president, bad president. Nah, medium, nah, bad, <laughs> nah, bad. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. you know? we, don't have, we don't have vocabulary. We don't have it in context. Mm -hmm. And so um, we can help sort of unearth assumptions, right, by taking the time that thinking slow, unearth assumptions. Like, what past experience do you think matters in a president? Does it matter that they have political, uh, military experience because they're going to be the commander in chief? Does it matter that they have legislative experience because they have to upset the policy for the future or the vision for the future? Like, do you care if they've done well academically, they're a road scholar or whatever? Um, and so just getting them to slow down, yeah. you know, and, and, and that way they'll be more prepared, not only for this election. And it was really interesting when we first started doing it, it was like the height of the Democratic primary where there were over 20 people running and it was like a lot of diversity. It came just that had a different feel as we got closer. And now it's like basically two old white men yeah. running very different points of view and very different leadership styles. But like, you know, part of our criteria was like, do you care if someone's young, if they're healthy, if mm -hmm. they, you know, like that, like what their mm -hmm. gender was. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just really interesting to have them slow down mm -hmm. and then be able to engage like, oh, I, I actually do care about domestic policy experience, but you care about international experience. Like, why do you care? Or I care about community organizing. Oh, why is that? Mm -hmm. Oh, because if I want an empathetic president, where do they get that practice? Well, community organizing suggests that you need to understand what's happening in your community in order to be able to mobilize them to work towards action and change. Um, oh, I wonder if that's why Obama was the kind of president he was because mm -hmm. he had that experience just connecting some of those dots, like that's that systems view. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, it's interesting, Kwaku, that you're saying that like you, you look at debates, part of the practice, remember you can't get better at things that are practice, we actually pulled debate clips, two Republican debate clips yeah, from um, the 2016 primary and two from the 2020, 
And after they went through a, um, an exercise that allowed them to identify what they care about, then we asked them to listen with those values in mind to see if they listened differently. Mm-hmm. And so for example, you know, so interesting to go back and watch Jeb Bush from 2016, you know, who talks about leading with a servant's heart and how he is prepared to be president because he's um, been the governor of Florida that oversaw eight hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And like, so I'm your person for when the big thing happens, like a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and, and, and here we have these like very progressive students that are like, wow, I never thought I could listen to a Republican like that. Interesting. That's my mind. I was going to say to you, part of the experience, I, I, I experienced the Stanford version of it and then the version that uh, Lisa came to do at my school. And part of it was uh, a piece where students actually get to role play as a president. Mm-hmm. And Lisa designed uh, was it eight scenarios. We had six to start. We pared it down. Okay. And uh, these are potential futures like... Um, yeah, oh. list them out. List, the, list out the scenarios well, that, you, so, that you gave. I mean, it's kind of nuts. So the idea, this was the final test. Like once you've identified the leadership qualities you care about, and then you had time collaborating with others, like then you would negotiate to find the ones that you really cared about. And then you would almost test it against potential future content. That was the idea. Not just the role play and, you know, for, for, for you know, this scenario, you know, for, for game's sake, but really to say like, if you believe that the president should be empathetic, how would empathy show up in this kind of crisis? Like it was a way to kind of rehearse the future. Mm. And so we came up with six different scenarios. The opening one, now, also we wrote these in May of 2019. Okay. Okay, so the first scenario we came up with is a pandemic. Come on. A flu-like virus that originated in China. And what's crazy is that Kwaku knows because he was part of that in November before Wuhan had their first case. So like he lived through that. I mean, Luke, I think is still, completely like like you know so and 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 what we had them do was we had them so each scenario had like a little paragraph and then we asked a small group to like based on what they agreed upon like leadership criteria they had to make a two-minute press statement to the american people in response to that crisis embodying the leadership qualities that they said matter the rest of you would sort of say like, what leadership, do you hear decisive? Do you hear bold? Do you have you know, compassionate? Do you hear, what do you hear in that? Mm-hmm. And um, so we had a pandemic scenario. We had um, uh, environmental disaster where we had um, hurricanes hitting the Gulf Coast and wildfires burning in the West called like last week. Yeah. Um, we had um, dangerous militants where we had, um, you know, non um, sort of sanctioned, um, uh, like, you know, white supremacists taking over cities. Right. Um, we had a drone attack in the Middle East. We had, which that happened way back when you yeah. probably forgot about it, but that happened in December. Mm-hmm. Um, we had hacking, election hacking scenario where foreign interference and it was unclear. Yep. Um, and we had a, a water infrastructure crisis where, you know, like like what happened at Flint, Flint Michigan basically happens at a wider scale. In yeah. Um, and it was just, you know, again, like a life-changing experience for these students to essentially like try on what leadership means in the context of that kind of crisis. And all of a sudden realize, first of all, if they came in being like, I'm only going for candidates with the green deal or bust. Right. Or like, oh, there's a lot more to consider here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and think, oh, wow, I really like, yes, I want a decisive president, but I really want a president who can build a relationship mm-hmm. with other, other 
organizations or, you know, and then like as the election has unfolded, they, they just have a different kind of rubric by which we're filtering all this noise, right? So like what creates apathy? Yeah, not apathy, confusion. Like I don't know how to make sense of all this. I'm just getting like, do I listen to the pundit? Do I listen to the poll? Do I listen to my like media echo chamber? Is any of it true? I don't even know, you know, but now you're like, well, what's true to you? What do you care about? Yeah. So it was a bit different way of um, empowering to that, you know, word we were using before, you know, the, the, the students to be like, no, no, I can control what I care about. Yeah. And then now I can go out and find my own evidence. What I love about this, and I know we're, we're pretty much- We're coming up. Yeah. Okay, so I'll try to encapsulate what I, what I, all of the things I love about that is that there are, what I see as an artist are multi artistic disciplines in sort of deploying this way of thinking. I see writing, I see acting. I mean, you're literally acting out these scenarios. I see all of these things that like are an art focused way of basically teaching what I think artists naturally, because we have to observe the world. We we are, we uh, you know, I don't mean to make this as a, you know, we're such amazing people. I just say that like art forces you to look at the world and, and put yourself in the world. Um, and that's what builds empathy. And an artist is always looking at the other person or other people and putting them themselves in those shoes and understanding what that is. And I think that's just a beautiful way of, of empowering, um, people with that agency. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, I, I could I I could have another three hours of conversation with you about this because I am I I am not fulfilled now because I feel like I just got I I just got the taste and we got to yes. get off really quickly and I'm just like but I I have this point and I want and I want to take your course um uh so I God it, it's um. I mean, yes, I am fulfilled, but I'm just, I just want a little bit more. Uh, I, this is, this is amazing. I, I, Cause I'm going to about to go off on another monologue. So I'm just going to stop myself and, and say that this was uh, absolutely inspiring. And what I love about our radio Zamunda conversations is like, I go in thinking I know something and then completely I'm like, holy shit, I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't realize that about myself. And I just want to thank you for being so open and telling us and what you're doing, because, you know, you get to a certain age and you think you know everything. And I and then somebody comes along and goes smack. No, you don't. And I go, oh, yeah, I don't. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> totally don't know that. Um, but I, I really appreciate you. And uh, as we often say on Radio Zamunda, somebody who I've just met, you know, just an hour ago, we're now best friends. So you're going to get some emails from me and like, hey, Lisa, what do you think about this? So please, I, I hope that's welcome on your end. So, gosh. I'm, oh, go, yes. oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Lisa. Well, I was about to say, the, the, um, remember I said earlier that um, building relationships is a form of resilience. Mm. You know, the, 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 it's all, for me, it is the ultimate form of energy. The best part of this experience, not just vote by design, but just design in general, that is a discipline that calls for multiple perspectives and a stance of learning, um, is that there's always um, opportunity, you know, to, to, to meet incredible people and say, this is the start, not the end. Yeah. And um, that just gives me great optimism yeah. as well. You know, I know, listen, we're, 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 
we are far from being done of these difficult times. Sure. Um, we could have a whole other conversation about the work that I've been peppering Kowaku about lately, which is how do we design for what happens after November 3rd? Um, that's a lot of work that we need to do quickly and we will have in our future. Uh, but to know we're not alone, you know, to know that we, we, we have people that we admire, respect, love, learn from, uh, can grow with, uh, well, that's just, I think, you know, what, what, what life is made of. So, um, Kwako, I want to thank you, um, for giving me the gift of, of, well, first of all, your friendship, but also the opportunity to meet Otto and to, to, to learn with you all this morning. Okay, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to add, I'm going to add on to this really, really quickly. Uh, cause I was going to ask you these two final questions. One, what happens after or three, actually four, cause this is, this is how our conversations go. 17. <laughs> we okay. don't have time. We don't have time. I'm, I'm going to run through really quickly. One, um, I would love for you to come back after the election and where we can have a longer conversation because I'm, this is like, we are definitely like sitting in the restaurant and smelling all the amazing stuff. And then we need to go, yeah. you know, we're, we're having a couple appetizers and it's like, Oh my God, we need to come back here. Yeah. I need to come back here and eat an entire meal. Um, so there's that. I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about what happens after the election that, um, but also, um, cause we're gonna, we don't normally have a quick turnaround. I'm trying to get this out right away because so many, I feel bad. So many people have already voted. Like, I almost feel like we should have had this conversation a month ago. Um, but for the people who are listening to this, even if they have voted, because this extends past this election, it isn't just about the big election every four years. Um, if people want information around this, whether they're educators, whether they want to just experience this, um, to help them with their thinking, talking with their friends and their family, um, if you can talk briefly about that. And I also want to give a special shout out to Laura because without Laura McBain, who Otto knows, cause she's, she's, uh, she's joined us for one of these conversations. I wouldn't know you and I wouldn't have had the experience uh, the ability to experience your work and to be able to even share it with Otto today. So, yeah, I didn't want to talk out of turn, but I was like, this is Laura McBain energy, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know, so. Oh my gosh, Laura McBain, what a gift to the world. What a gift to me. Yes, I'm so glad that you gave her a shout out. She was phenomenal um, so many ways and has given me the gift of just so many incredible people. Um, and I'm so lucky I get to work with her and we're doing some really exciting work now. Always. On, talking about um, educators, futurists. So Ooh. really trying to like identify you know, what are the new ways we need to support school leaders and educators to help students, not just be prepared for the future, but to shape the future. And again, it's a different mindset. So that's a that's a that's a you know a little a little goodie mm-hmm. a drop. Yes, I'll unpack and open up later. Um, Kuaku, let me answer some of those questions. So votebydesign.org um, has a ton of resources. We also have uh, we're trying to push out and amplify a lot of stuff through social. So uh, Instagram, um, vote by design, Twitter. Um, and we, because you know, along this process, we've built incredible partnerships like our Vote With Love friends, uh, when we all vote, um, so many, all in democracy, even the National Association of um, Basketball Coaches, which is like a whole other crazy new thread that's super exciting, I civics, all the rest. So, um, so that's a place to go. And I think the easiest thing for people to do right now on our website, we, we, we really just even pared down some of the reflective questions in a deliberative discussion guide for voting. And that's just a great thing to start to have conversations with people over the dinner table, you know, which asks some of these kind of open generative questions. 
So that's something to look for. You don't need to do with the technology, just look at that discussion guide. Um, would love to come back after and uh, sort of see where we are. We're gonna, this is not an episodic moment. You know, this is an opportunity for us to engage over time. We're gonna, we're gonna need some, regardless of what happens, we're gonna need to find ways to connect with one another. Um, so I did just write an article about designing for what's next. And I think one of the big things is leading with empathy, starting with ourselves. Nobody's coming into this election feeling awesome. Nobody is. We are exhausted, we are battered, fatigued. Um, uh, all kinds of emotions that are triggering a fight or flight response. So we need to find ways to get into that communal lens to say, have to take care of each other. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Wow. Beautiful. Wow. Right. I, okay. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm about to ask a bunch of more questions. So I'm going to say to the guy with the glasses on and the headphones, who are you? My name is Kwaku and who are you? I'm Atul and this is Radio Zamunda. The nope. <laughs> shit. Yes. <laughs> and, and who are we? Who have we been graced with uh, this amazing hour that I wasn't expecting, and I'm so glad I was a part of. The amazing, the brilliant, the powerful, the compassionate, the empathetic, Lisa K. Solomon. Man. Thank you so much. I am, uh, I am full. I, I said I wasn't fulfilled, but yes, I am. But I just want more because I'm a greedy man. So sorry. <laughs> That's probably where we have to start with some empathy for me. I just, I just want it all. So thank you so much, Lisa. This was just freaking awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This was a blast. This was a blast. To be continued, for sure. Okay. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's I, I, signing off, you know, I was saying that I just, I have so many other questions and things because um, she's opening up a lot of things in myself that, you know, we've had many conversations, especially about politics and, and her focus isn't necessarily politics, but it is the, the burning questions that I've had about myself where it's like I've gotten, you know, so sort of beaten down and fight or flight that I honestly can't find a lot of my own empathy um, where I like to think of myself as a naturally empathic person, but I, I'm so angry and scared. And um, as I've said, just uh, so much contempt these days uh, because of what we're sort of going through, um, that it's refreshing to hear somebody speak to that without like the sort of patronize, like the, the practical sort of application of that without the sort of patronizing like well everything's about love and blah 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 like there, there's a there's a uh, a focus of why it's important to have empathy which is a, which is really easy to forget when you are not in an empath em empathetic mindset do you yeah. know what i mean yeah so uh geez it's it's interesting the way you described it it's almost like uh uh what she's created is a framework 
mm-hmm. for bringing uh, emotion and love into something that is scientific. And so it's it's like bridging these two things. It's not just, yeah. I feel this way. Like even, right. you know, I framed it, you know, I and I specifically waited, this was me designing the experience. If I said to you like a couple of days ago, it's gonna be about politics. I could have seen you getting geared up yeah, for yeah, one yeah. of the politics, one of the, like the political discussions that we have. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and even though this was a political, I'm using air quotes podcast, we're not talking about, well, this is blatantly wrong because of this, or you can't do this because of that. All of it was really tied into the why, why Mm -hmm. are we, why, why do we make these choices? What is driving those decisions? Right. What, why are things important to us? Why do we want to see it in our leaders? Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is not how any of us think about voting, right? It's, it's usually this like raw, passionate, guttural, um, uh, community-based or like uh, ancestral response, mm-hmm. you know, tied to like specific factors of race or religion and all of it. And we this was a political podcast. We didn't talk about any of that, right? 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 Which is crazy, but yeah. But also, yeah. it is really objective, and right. isn't this? Isn't this what political discussion should actually feel like? Yeah, and I guess that's what is, you know, has been severely lacking for, you know, decades, not just this period where um, the slowing down and allowing people to think, allowing people in a room where everybody's safe, there are no wrong answers, and really sort of hashing out what, um, where, first of all, giving people agency, allowing people to be ignorant, right? Mm-hmm. And like I use the word ignorant in our conversation, but you know, I always have to remind myself that ignorance isn't a bad thing. Ignorance is just the lack of knowledge. Yep. And none of us know everything. None of us know close to everything. And that's just not just politics, that's astrophysics. You know what I mean? So I am ignorant to astrophysics. So um, allowing that to be and having conversations and realizing that we agree on much more than we disagree on, right? We've all been given these hot buttons to sort of um, split us, split ourselves up with, but yeah. um, at the end of the day, we do agree on most of what should be happening. It's just how we're framing it, right? Yeah. Um, which is interesting. As she was talking, I was thinking, you know, I heard this one, I was listening to some NPR thing or something about the, you know, the current, issues we're going through with the uh, Supreme Court. Um, And I forget who the pundit was or whatever. That person was like, but you have to realize that, you know, we we think about the 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 Supreme Court as the conservatives versus the the uh, liberals, aggressives or the liberals. And then there's like the swing vote or whatever. But ninety nine percent of all of the all of the things that they deal with is like an overwhelming unanimity, right? All, all, the, all the cases that they work on, mm-hmm. 99% of them have a unanimous sort of result. All the justices agree on the same thing. No and matter their background. Pull in, yes, if it's the hot button of abortion or if it's um, uh, gay rights or something like that, that's when the divisions happen. But that's like in very few and far between cases. And you and I know where it should go as human beings and em- empath- empathetic human beings. And those are the little 
fissures that cause the huge fissures between people in the country, but it shouldn't be that way. Do you know what I mean? And right. it's because of lack of conversation, lack of information. Um, and that's the fight where we have to fight. And I think the way she's fighting it is the best and the only way to do it. Right. So anyway, she was amazing. I, man, I, and I was going to say this, but I, I knew we had to get her off. Um, yeah. You should definitely have her on Unrelated. If I don't know yeah, yeah. like what your schedule is for recording and if you can get something in uh, prior to the election or not. Sure. Um, and I mean, even just sitting there, I was like, oh, I mean, for people at home, it's like we've changed our recording format to uh, basically allow us to do COVID recordings better. But I'm like, I love the idea of even ha being able to uh, expand these conversations more whether it's tying it to art, but even bringing in other people with other perspectives, maybe sure. even like the next time she comes on, because that, I just get so much life, one, mm. from conversations with Lisa. The way she sees the world is so, is so unique and so brilliant. But specifically around this, I had right. this moment when I went, when I went through this, uh, through this process, which was uh, about a year ago. And mm. I was like, man, this is fantastic. I'm, you know, I, I literally have never had the words or the process to help me understand why I'm choosing something outside of those hot button issues. Right, right. And and in the way that she was talking about um, creating um, learning experiences through conversation and creating community, which really resonated because that's what it, that's what you and I do with this mm -hmm. podcast, mm -hmm. but also empowering people to go out into the world and see things differently. Yeah that i mean that that's worth getting up early at least for me <laughs> it's dope man uh, thank you very much for bringing her on it was dope that that's was, she's dope and she's got to come back so and i got the look on your face where you're like yeah. ah! <laughs> it's all good man. i'm enjoying she's, this but i have so yeah. much i want to say yeah good yeah. grief that brings so, me life too <laughs> yeah good man thank you bro thank you that was dope uh, so with that being said who are you i'm otto and who are you my name is kwaku and this is Radiosum of the, the dope shit. There we go. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Peace. Peace.